0: The Incomparable. Number 536. October 2020.
1: Welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm Tiff Arment, your guest host this week because Jason didn't want to play zombie games with the gamer kids. We are here to talk about The Last of Us 2, released on June 19th, 2020, the long-awaited continuation of The Last of Us, which has been covered right here on episode 208 back in 2014. Joining me on the panel today are two apocalypse survivors, Brian Hamilton. Hello, Brian. Oh, sweet. I found some pills. Hi. How are you? I know they're just lying around just just pop those pills and we also have with us john Syracusa. hey john hello tiff may your survival be long May your death death be be swift. Swift. (laughs) (laughs) I think you got the better end of that than I did. (laughs) I did. So to get right into this, this is a third-person action-adventure game produced by Naughty Dog for the PlayStation, if you don't know what we're talking about. And this game, the second in the series, picks up five years after the original left off. The game becomes a revenge story, and through a series of flashbacks mixed in with current time gameplay, it fills in the gaps since we last saw our two main characters ellie and joel when they were leaving the firefly base before we even get into all of this i want to sound that spoiler horn kind of right away because this is the second game in a series and if you haven't played this game we're gonna spoil it all because there's a lot to talk about so um all right let's let that horn ring out loud and proud and uh, we can start talking about this epic game here we go
0: Actually, now that you mentioned the spoiler horn, I'm sure we will spoil things in about two seconds. There are some things to talk about this game that that aren't particularly spoilery, and that's just sort of the mechanical stuff that I feel like we can get out of the way up front. And also, I think it's mostly positive, Uh, like how this game looks and plays. Obviously, it plays a lot like the first game. It's not like they changed into like a text adventure or something. Like like you said, it's a (laughs) third-person action game. It's been so long since I played the first game. I didn't go back and replay the first game before I played. It's been so long since I played the first game. I don't actually know if they changed anything about the controls from the first to the second. But what I do know is that my experience of playing the second game, I felt like, boy, they really perfected This control scheme because none of it. I remember playing the the first game and sometimes it felt awkward and I would get lost in the menus when someone's chomping on my shoulder and I'd be like, oh no, I couldn't get to the right weapon or I hit the wrong key or I meant to throw something and the person ducked or whatever. And in this second game, if they didn't change the controls somehow in my sleep since the years since the first game, I've learned them. Uh, But if they did change them, I think they streamlined them because I found these controls. Very intuitive, and they just disappeared, and I had I didn't struggle with them at all. Even though I think they're just as complicated, they just disappeared for me. Uh, two questions for you two. Emma, did they change the controls in the first game, and how did you feel like this game felt while playing it
2: mechanically? I did replay the first one prior to the second game, and to me, even though I know there were some uh, gameplay tweaks and mechanic uh, changes in the controls... To me, it felt exactly the same and played exactly as well. The Last of Us uh, 1 is my favorite control scheme I have ever played. Uh, When you're holding that PlayStation controller, the tactile way that when you push a button and something happens, I know this sounds geeky and dumb, but when you hold the controller and something happens, and the way that you squeeze the controller to stab somebody or shoot a gun or grab someone in a vice grip, It really feels like the controls replicate that same physical feeling in your fingers in a strange way. Mm -hmm. Uh, My single favorite uh, gameplay mechanic ever, and I think that other games have done this for sure, but The Last of Us is where I first saw it. R3, clicking in the right stick to be your light is exactly the same uh, tactile feeling as clicking the button on the light that you have in the game. And it really ups the immersion for me.
1: Yeah, I love that. I also love when you have to shake the controller and hit it against your hand when it <laughs> yes. like when the light goes out. And they don't even do it too often, you know. They don't overdo that. It's every once in a while that it like kind of flakes out at you and you got to bang it on your hand. That's such a great thing. I love it so much. But in terms of the controls, I know that they added a couple moves. Um they've added like the going into the prone position when you're kind of um walking around stealthily through the grass. That was an addition to the gameplay. And but for me, the aiming mechanic is kind of one of the best that I've seen around in a game. And it's just you don't have to have auto aim on for it to feel manageable. I know some games it feels like that they make it so incredibly difficult, like on the the regular settings, if you just kind of have the settings on the default settings. It has the sensitivity is down, but the auto aiming is off. And I find that going through this game aiming and using the weapons and being able to manage the landscape and and focus on something it's done really really well where you feel like you have a lot of agency over the weapons as opposed to it just either happening to you or you're struggling to get anything to aim and the only way you would be successful is through some like melee combat or something like that so this game gives like a great balance between wanting to use stealth wanting to use the weapons and uh, wanting to use some like hand-to-hand fighting Yeah, and this this
0: genre and this type of game from the studio in particular, it's difficult to make a control scheme because there are a lot of things that you're juggling. It's not just run, point, and shoot. You have lots of inventory to manage you have multiple weapons you have ammo for those weapons you have reloading of them then you have crafting of other weapons and also ammo for the weapons that you're managing over there and then you've got all the player controls which are fairly complicated in terms of going into cover and like you said going prone or squatting walking running listening you know turning the flashlight on and off all of those things all have to be managed at once and unlike a lot of games in this genre bringing up menus does not pause the action so if the menus are clumsy in any way, or if you get lost in them, or if you're not able to do the thing that you want to do, like, if you have in your head, I need to switch to shotgun right now, and you, tr- like, you try to perform that action, and you end up, like, somewhere else, or it doesn't switch to shotgun, or it switches to a different gun and starts to reload animation, that's frustrating and takes you out of the game, so what they've accomplished i think with this control scheme and maybe it is the same as the first game but maybe they just tweak the timings is to do to the highest extent possible to get that out of your way and just make it so that after you learn the control scheme it more or less flows naturally some of that i think is the game knows that you have to navigate those menus so it never puts you in an unfair situation where it's like look we know you can't physically get from this menu to that menu in this amount of time. So we're never going to put you somewhere like at a save point restore where you're about to get chomped on by a monster or shot by somebody (laughs) and you just can't get through the menus fast enough. And that feels cheap. They always give you breathing room. They give you time to plan. You can still die because you have poor management of your, you know, ammo supplies or inventory or you make a bad decision about stealth versus attack, but it always feels fair. You're like, all right, that's on me. I jumped out and expected to be able to shoot those three people. And I was wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what i mean but i i i think they did an even better job in this game than the first one I, didn't, I also didn't go back and listen to the the last of us episode i think i might have complained about the controls there so i'm going to feel really dumb if the controls are exactly the same but they felt so much you got better,
1: better john that's what happened you became a better gamer i mean that's yeah. what i'm saying it could have
0: that could be the case but i haven't played any last of us game. you know this is i i stopped played that game and then there was a multi-year gap and then i played this one
1: there's been a lot of destiny between then and now
0: to- totally different. <laughs> totally different thing. You know what it might be? It might have been watching other I watched you play through all of Uncharted Four, like on Twitch. Right? Oh yeah. And watching watching you sort of drive the aiming reticle, for example, I think might have also helped. You know how you like it's like visualizing in sports where you visualize pulling off. If you just watch yeah, someone else, muscle do memory, it a lot, yep. <laughs> you can learn techniques because you speaking of aiming, it's one of the things they do in all their games, like the aiming reticle, it has a lot of it's not just like you're aiming a mouse cursor, right? And one of the particular mechanics they have is like kind of a breathing bobbing depending yes. on like yep. how good your skills are and how good the gun is and there's all sorts of crafting mechanics to prove that but you have to kind of play the bob where if you're if you're on horseback or in a vehicle and it's bouncing up and down and your thing is bobbing and it's going by the person's head you just if you try to wrangle that and get it on their head you're never going to get it you just have to you have to ride the bob and just when the thing sweeps by their
2: head then hit the button
0: and it's really satisfying when you pull that off
2: I think one of the things that this game really benefits from as it pertains to Naughty Dog's really close relationship to Sony and PlayStation is the fact that they can optimize for the PS4 controller and know that you can at any time go over to the D-pad and change things up in your inventory or very quickly open up the options menu to do crafting. Uh, this game's crafting mechanics and ammo switching and weapon switching mechanics are the most complicated I can handle in any game. I'm starting to play PUBG a lot more now and it's uh, whew, it's a far cry from how well-designed Last of Us's uh, design weapons uh, interface is and I really appreciate that they're able to optimize for a single controller and a single experience on the uh, PlayStation.
1: What's so crazy about this game to me is it how incredibly violent it is but yet how awesomely fun it is to play. It's it's just such a I hate to use the word joy, but it does. It kind of like gives me joy. And I I think playing this game, I've come to terms with something about myself. I just really like zombie killing games. Gosh, I just I like them so much. <laughs> and even though it's kind of embarrassing, it's it's really upsetting during some of those death scenes. If someone's like walking in and, and watching what's going on, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's just like, don't look at me. I'm a monster. But god monster? I lo- you're I lo- killing the monsters i love it so much i mean but we're killing a lot of people there are a lot well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> of people we'll get to that
0: <laughs> one other non-spoiler thing i think we're gonna talk about speaking of optimizing for the playstation 4 is this game looks amazing and not just like oh it's pretty or like oh the textures are high resolution but just it's it's one of those games where mastery of the platform is embodied in how few seams you see like so this is not an open world game you can't go anywhere you want right and the danger with games like that is they can if done poorly they feel like disneyland where it's like well this is all a facade like you're not actually in you know the magic kingdom or whatever they're like there's a wall there on the other side of that is a parking lot and you always you don't want to feel like you're walking this narrow path where everything you see looks nice but you know it's all just fake you know fake storefronts fake everything or whatever. But it's but it's not an open world. And they can't just say, I'll run wherever you want. And to make that believable, to make it so that when you play the game, you never feel like you're being herded from place to place. You feel like you can pretty much go where you feel like it. And every single place you look, it's like perfect. Like it looks like some poor person sat there for a week just laying out every item doing every different texture, right? Trying not to have lots of repeated items and stuff like that. Just the level of detail and even just something as simple as how many places can I find where there's an awkward texture seam or like where some polygon doesn't overlap the right way and there's this little twitchy line or something. This, it's it's so incredibly seamless and of a piece, including going from the sort of quote-unquote, in-engine cutscenes, which aren't really in-engine, but, like, they make them match the engine close enough that you don't even know it's a transition from cutscene to gameplay. Oh, I have that it, as a
1: note. Oh, my ooh. gosh, it's so good.
0: It, it's so... Seen, and it's not because, like, oh, this is photorealistic, because, you know, in 15 years, we'll look back at this, and it will look primitive. It's because it matches itself. It's because it is internally self-consistent. Like, this game is so polished. Like, the execution on this game, this is the, the pinnacle of... How polished can you make a game for a given platform within design constraints of third-party, non-open world, you know, shooter, zombie, whatever game? It's just, I, I mean, The Last of Us was great in this regard, and I think we, uh, you know, raved about it in the previous thing. But this one, I'm, I'm, I'm looking around, trying to find, is there some corner I can go to, something I can look at, some t- place I'll see. Ooh, this looks a little bit too much like a game here. Ooh, that's a little glitchy texture or whatever. And it was just seamless everywhere. And yes, on top of all of that... Also, incredibly beautiful and the and i think part of the the visceral sort of uh, enjoyment of you know killing zombies or whatever part of that has to do with the character animation and the inverse kinematics of how their limbs connect with the environment and how they transition from one animation to the next they look incre- as we technology gets better they look less and less like fighting game characters where in fighting games the most important thing is to immediately switch to the new move or new animation so it, you so you don't feel like you're being slowed down right uh, where, where they'll do awkward things where no human would suddenly glitch from this position to that position, but in the fighting game, you have to. In this game, they want the people to look somewhat realistic. So they cheated a little bit in that sometimes when you want to, you know, do a melee attack or something, you want it to happen right now and not, you know, half a second from now. So there are some fast animations, but in general, when climbing around and walking and looking and, you know, shooting and sliding and everything, the characters always feel planted in the environment. And that's why when you throw a brick in the face of a zombie and stab it in the neck, <laughs> it feels like it feels all, you know, of a piece and not like you just triggered the brick throw animation, triggered the stab animation. It doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like it feels more like you're there. And that's incredibly difficult to do. And when your arm doesn't accidentally glitch through the zombie and when the zombie's arm doesn't poke out through your chest and into your back and remind you that it's a game, that's when you really start to feel like you're there and start to, you know, get
2: immersed. So both The Last of Us 1 uh, and The Last of Us 2 came out at the tail end of their respective console generations. Uh, the Last of Us 1 came out at PS uh, on the PS3 in 2013, right at the end of the PS3's life, and same for The Last of Us 2 on the PS4. The PS5 is imminent in about a month, and I think it just goes to show how long they were able to take to optimize for this specific hardware. And if you compare it to uh, Uncharted 4, which it was an early PS4 game compared to The Last of Us 2, you know Uncharted 4 is a beautiful game, but I don't think it holds a candle to how uh, The Last of Us 2 feels as immersive as we've been saying the one thing where i've noticed in both last of us one and two where it feels a little like a video game is when you are going through the world and in a fight in a stealthy situation and you have a companion with you a partner another character and they just seem to be able to walk around however they want without being seen by other enemies uh, when you're supposed to be
0: super stealthy i know why they do that though like i think we all know why they do that Yeah, Because the opposite is worse. And when the opposite happens, it makes you hate the game, which is your companion constantly dies and you don't have control of your (laughs) companion. Like, would you just stay alive? So they basically make them, you know, essentially invulnerable. They can shoot and shoot back and they can get shot, but they're like, why do you not see this person scrambling around? I'm hiding under a truck,
1: like Dead Rising. And, follow me! Follow me! Right. Follow me!
0: <laughs> yeah, it, but but they have to do that because. And I think every time I saw that, I'm like, yeah, that looks a little silly. But thank you for doing that because if they were constantly getting killed, and I had to restart this whole level again because my companion that I don't control got killed, like everybody hates that. So I, I think they just don't have these sort of AI pathfinding tech to make the companion person always not be in the enemy sightline and 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 be smarter about doing stuff, right? Like, you know, everything I said about the immersion, this is like as compared to other games, not as compared to the ideal. To give it my one one example of where the gameplay, where the engine fell down a little bit, is there's a scene somewhere in the middle of the game where there's a bunch of tripwires. And what the game wants you to do gameplay-wise is figure out that you should throw like a brick or something and set them off, right? And you quickly figure that out if you've ever played a video game. (laughs) But then I spent 15 minutes in that little section trying to figure out how do you want me to throw the brick at this i've already you know figured it your quote-unquote puzzle which is throw something the tripwire but two things were against me one bricks don't regenerate the whole floor is littered with bricks but not the one special brick that you can pick up right so if you throw it <laughs> if i aim at where i think the tripwire is and the, and the brick lands i think right on the tripwire and it doesn't go off now i have to restart be, be, or blow myself up because there's no other brick that i can reach from this area and i threw it at the wrong spot where game do you want me to throw the brick at the trip bar it's that type of sort of gameplay glitches that this game mostly avoids like that section stands out because it's the one place where i was sort of fighting with the game instead of playing it despite the fact that i had already done the the puzzle solving that the game wanted me to do the execution of it fell down a little bit there right mm-hmm. so that's I, I give that as an example as a counter example of like that type of thing generally does not happen elsewhere in this very long game
1: so one thing I do want to go back to what John brought up—the idea of the transitions between the regular gameplay and then the the cutscenes—gosh, those moments are really what took it. I it that that just inspired me. It was just so. Wonderful. Because you would jump off of a ledge or something and you had the agency over the character to make that first jump. And so you jumped over the ledge or the fence and then it would trigger a cutscene. But you're standing up as if your character would normally stand up in the regular world in the gameplay. And all of a sudden you're in a cutscene. That is so wonderful and the same way coming out of the cutscene and going back into the gameplay it was almost like all of a sudden whoa oh oh I gotta I gotta do this now I'm, I'm back <laughs> in the driver's seat and I just I really liked that it didn't just give you a you know <laughs> like a Ken Burns like transition now we are doing the cutscene here is the movie you will watch and then the movie is way better animated than the actual game it, it just it let it be completely seamless I mean there were even moments. In the cutscene, a lot like Uncharted, where you kind of have like those minor interactions where, oh, press square a thousand times. But other than that, like, it was just so great to see those transitions happening in such a seamless, flowing way. And in addition to that, like, just like John was saying, there were moments like you... Cannot see the seams. You look through a window, and it looks like the world goes on forever. There's so much detail in the art style and in the world. Like you, it looks like you can go into so many rooms, and then you just can't. Like it blocks you off, but <laughs> it, it looks like you can get there. And sometimes, if you spend enough time, you can get there. Like you find a way. There's a door behind a thing, and you go this way, and and you jump up over a little wall, and oh wait, I can actually get into that room. And that's what makes this game so tricky. In that it makes it look like there's so much more to explore, but it, you can't get to a lot of it, but some you can. So it's like you end up spending so much time walking around. That's where I spent a ton of time was just walking around trying to find my way into a lot of the <laughs> p- parts of the world that like you can actually get into and one of the criticisms of this game was how it wasn't open world enough for some people which I think is crazy because I mean not every game needs to be open world but a lot like the scenes where you're walking around Seattle and you kind of have a map and you can go to a lot of different locations and and this is kind of the moment where it feels the most open world in all of the gameplay and that like you have a chance to explore a lot of different areas That was was great. I love that. And I think that it followed that through the rest of the game where there wasn't just one way to like make your way down a hill. There were two or three paths. To take and depending on if you took one or not you would find you know some supplies at one part or you would be able to get down quickly or you'd be jumped by a zombie in one other section. so it did give you the variety it gave you that that pathfinding feel of I am walking through an open world and I can like kind of go back and explore things if I really want to um, which I really wanted to I explored as much <laughs> as possible I, I seriously tried to get through this game every single inch of this game and when it was over, and it only said that I completed 44%, I wanted to pull out my hair. I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, no. I literally spent so much time trudging and picking and, and like, proning myself through little tiny holes to get into every single nook and cranny of this game and find all the things, and no, 44% complete. Are you like, are you kidding me? There was that much that I missed? There's that much hidden in this world that's supposedly not open that's, like, Pushing me through a path, and yet I still couldn't find it all. That's crazy. That just that's amazing. I love you, Last of Us. Go.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the the open world complaint, like like the reason you know, I, I sometimes people just like open world games better, which is fine. Um, but currently, with current technology and uh, game budgets, you can't make an open world game as detailed as this. Like you know, this game is huge. And the level of detail, the level of just graphical detail and geometry, even if a lot of it is stuck, like, oh, I can only open up two drawers in this kitchen. Yeah, you can only open up two drawers, but those two drawers look amazing. right Everything in this kitchen looks amazing. No, it's not all interactive, but you cannot, you cannot finish an open world to the level to, to the level of shine that this world is finished. So it is, it's this type of game, that's the trade-off you get. There are fewer places you can go. You are essentially moving along a linear path. But everything that you see and touch will just be incredibly detailed and hand laid out by artists and made incredibly beautiful and just tailored to the exact moment that you're going to be there. And like Disneyland, every single sightline makes it, you know, tries to make it look like there's, you know, stuff goes on forever. Like I think about the forest levels. If you could like fly through the forest levels with it, with like the game developer's camera, you'd see, oh, it's like this weird twisting path of trees but when you're in it you feel like you're in a forest you feel like you're (laughs) in an entire world an entire and that's the magic that when they pull that off that's the magic right and you just can't you can't make an open world game look or behave like any of these last of us games because you don't have enough money to pay that number of humans to literally create from scratch that number of square feet of incredibly detailed space you can try to do it procedurally you can do a breath of the wild did which is like the best maybe the best anyone's done with like a low technology budget right to try to make it feel like the the world is interesting but no corner of any of those open world games looks remotely as good as just pick a random direction on any level in the last of us and take a snapshot of it right so I mean, when when I'm playing this type of game, I know what I'm in for. I'm not I'm not sad that it's not an open world game. Instead, I'm enjoying the things that you can that you can do when you don't have to cover 700 square miles with with the same level of detail.
1: Did either of you get the crazy jump scares when you accidentally knock over like a lampshade that doesn't have the interact button? It's would scare the crap out of me. <laughs> I feel like Yeah, ah. I, I love those elements. Like that's that's the thing. Because like, it was you know, so oh, random or like the random bottle, like, oh my gosh, I just mm-hmm. kicked that. Why did I just kick that? <laughs> <It's>
0: <laughs> that that's, so good. A, that's such a fine line because like what what in the world is interactive, right? Obviously they do the fairly over the top glow for the things that are important to gameplay, so you don't waste your time trying to say is this a pill bottle? No. Is this a pill bottle? No. Is this a pill bottle? No. Except I, for know, when
1: it, your flashlight hits a mirror, and then you're like, "Damn!" It, yes. That's yes. That's <laughs> a, that is a
0: thing that definitely happens. But but the uh, but the extra uh, the random elements that just happen to be interactive but don't have the glow that that adds a little bit of flavor to it, right? And that's another thing you just have to be okay with. No, you can't open every drawer, but the drawers you're able to open it will be obvious that you can open them, and you should thank the game for that, because the alternative is you spend your entire <laughs> life opening every single drawer, and two of them have Separ-
1: something in it. when the drawer's empty. oh, I love that. Oh, I love that so sometimes the drawer is empty. It's so, so you good. you made this
0: drawer openable, and you didn't put anything in? Yeah, because sometimes the drawer is empty. They, I feel like they'd hit that balance perfectly.
1: I was curious if the empty drawer would have been filled on, like, a uh, diff- different difficulty, different level. difficulty yeah. level. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Speaking of that, I did enjoy that the difficulty level was more granular than, like, easy, medium, hard. You could pick the sp- specific aspects of the game that you wanted to tune like do you want it uh, to be starved resources uh, but the enemies are really easy to kill do you want to have tons of bullets but the enemies are nightmare difficulty like I, i i did adjust those during the game because a couple of levels I went, I tried a few times and I just kept getting killed. And like, you know what? I need to, I need to toot some of this or like, I'm at, I'm completely out of ammo. I need to at least turn up the ammo thing so I have a fighting chance.
2: <laughs> and again,
0: I thank the game developers for doing that.
2: <laughs> there was a moment uh, which was apparently optional because my roommate who also played through The Last of Us 2 did not get this moment where you are at a crafting bench uh, and you're upgrading your, your gun or whatever. And from behind you, Enemies will come in and rip you out of that animation and that menu. (gasps) I had that too. Oh my God, it was incredible. And it's no secret that I do not enjoy most AAA games. I like the smaller indie ones that do the stuff that The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2 do, which is perfectly polish every centimeter of a smaller world. I actively dislike open world games most of the time with Breath of the Wild being the exception. And I would trade hundreds and hundreds of hours uh, in Skyrim for one or two last of us's because oh my god it's so much more bang for your buck and so much more like no triple a game that i have ever played save for maybe uncharted 4 if i ever played it uh has the courage of its convictions to do the things that the last of us 2 does in a triple a game narrative wise story wise and artistic wise
1: i feel like this game in particular in this franchise they have this wonderful balance between this incredibly brutal shooting game and then this also incredibly beautiful story that it gives you a break in between a lot of the action. So you'll be like absolutely like blowing up everything you could possibly find and killing everything in your sights. And then you'll have a scene where you get to breathe a minute. You get to like walk around a museum you get to you know interact with the environment and there's absolutely no combat and it's it's like this you get to breathe for a second you get to know the characters it's not high adrenaline all the time and i really love that about the last of us and and especially this this particular um this particular one the last of us 2 because it really It doesn't pull you out of the action. It gives you a break from the action. And it balances my personal love of the combat games and these, like, more artsy, let's just, like, chill and interact with everything games. And I know that that's (laughs) another, like, criticism of it. It's People get upset that it's not all action all the time. And it's like, and to me, that's what makes this game extra good in that it gives you both of those things and it satisfies like both parts of your brain
2: it lets you trade your adrenaline for tears
1: yes it does (laughs) here cash in your adrenaline points (laughs) buy
0: these tears are we ready to talk about the story now because this is this is where i have some complaints
1: oh uh, yeah, let's uh, get into it. Oh, complaints. Okay, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I yeah. I didn't have an opening statement for this podcast, but I feel like I have an opening statement for the story section. Okay. Um let's uh, fire off the rocket into the spoiler <laughs> hole. <horn>. Yeah. Um <laughs> so we, we've already mentioned that this game, you know, it's not an open world game. They're uh this game like oh, most naughty dog games in this sort of genre. Um they they have a linear story like there's nothing you can do to change how this story is going to play out and some people that sounds upsetting. It's like, oh, why would you ever do that? Why not just watch a movie at that point? Like, but, it you know, anyone who plays games knows that's ridiculous. Like, first of all, a movie doesn't stop uh, because you're bad because you die, right? Like, and you can definitely you can't be bad die. at watching movies you can definitely die in these games whereas no matter how badly you watch a movie it will pretty much continue the way you expect it <laughs> to continue um,
1: i do appreciate the multiple death scenes though that's very helpful yes in, uh, yes you, if you die multiple times <laughs> it's many, many different ways to die it's yeah um but anyway
0: th- like there is a there is a linear story that you're going to go through right so It's not one of those games where your choices matter and you can have different endings and you can decide you're role-playing a character and you can decide whether you want them to be mean or nice. It's not the type of game at all, right? Neither was The Last of Us Part 1. And in games like that, when it comes to the story, the thing that the story has to accomplish is it has to sort of bring you along with the characters so that every time it asks you to do the specific one and only thing that's going to ask you to do in big character moments, save this player, kill that player, you know, go with them, leave, whatever, like whatever you're going to do. Again, it's not your choice. The game has already chosen for you. They need you to be in the correct headspace for that, story beat to work it doesn't mean you need to identify with the character it just means like wherever whatever headspace or maybe whatever multiple headspaces that the developer thought these is this is these are the kind of thoughts we want the player to have this moment we want them to be sad this happening we want them to be happy this is happening we want to be angry at this person right in general there's something they want you to be feeling and in particular i think you want to feel you want to understand all the characters motivations even if you don't agree with them, because that's where you can be in two different headspaces. Either you're going to love this character or hate them, but you at least want to sort of like if if there's something in your head that the game developer totally didn't anticipate, that might be a problem because the story's going to play out the way it's going to play out, and if you are not on board, it's not going to work for you. And I bring this up because at, at the end of the Last of Us Part One, which we're also going to spoil at this point, lots of people weren't in, in along with the developer in the correct headspace at the ending scene where Joel comes in and there's Ellie on the on the the, the you know operating table on the doctor and the game demands that you kill the doctor right that's <laughs> you have no choice in fact that sets up the whole second game and if you as the player are not in the right headspace of that at that moment or like for example if you are adamant that you should absolutely not kill the doctor at that moment there's a disconnect between you and the game and it's not working as well as it could. Not just saying that's an invalid experience or whatever. That's like kind of the fault of the game. And similarly, if you watch like a tearjerker movie and you, and you think it's not sad that the, that movie failed to grab you, right? These games where they have a linear plot have to bring the player along at each story beat, because if it loses you or if there's a disconnect, the game is not as fun to play, not as enjoy, not, not just fun, but it is not as, as sort of a good experience, not as an emotional experience. If you have that disconnect and in the last of us part two, there are several major structural elements of the story that for me personally, and for a lot of other people who have reviewed this game did not bring me along to where they wanted me to be for the various story beats. It doesn't mean I wasn't able to appreciate the game and the characters and especially the performances and you know, everything about this game is amazing, but particular story beats I was not on board with. And I think are weaknesses in the storytelling because it's not just me. Like, it's my criticism is similar to the criticism that every review that had any criticism of the story said. More or less the same things. That makes me think that this game falls down in this area, unlike The Last of Us Part One, which I think everyone was on board through the whole way. And the only controversy is maybe about the very, very ending. But the whole beginning and middle, and the relationship between Ellie and Joel and what they're doing, and you know, the. The evolution of the world and the, the the beginning part, everyone was all on board with that. Whereas this game, at, at many many points, has characters doing things that do not work for me.
1: So I have something to say about that feeling, and I agree with you. I, I've I experienced those gameplay moments in the story and in the plot um, also. But when I sit back and think about it, I feel like the game was doing something very clever here. In that it was making you do those things that you did not feel right about doing on purpose. Like, I feel like not every person, when you go into a situation, you don't have all of your convictions behind you all the time. You aren't 100% sure of all of your actions and all of your decisions. Those ones that you do feel 100% about, you're great. You do it and you move on. The ones where you hesitate and you're like, I really don't think I should be doing this – but yet I'm going to do it anyway because this is what is happening to me in this situation. And then you force yourself to do it. Those are those moments that change you drastically. And I feel like when you think about the end of the the first Last of Us, when you have to kill the doctor, even though you don't want to, most of us are good people playing these games. And we're like, wow, totally we really should doctor, not the kill way. the doctor. I want to kill him. <laughs> that, I can explain later. Okay, now, I think I explained on the first episode. Anyway, go on. But still, like, y- y- you... You get forced to make this decision. And so you end up killing the doctor. And then that ends up being like, oh, crap, I made this decision. And now I have to live with it and I have to follow through and now I have to kill everyone in this hospital. (laughs) And I feel like this, that happens a lot of times in this game. And we see that in Ellie's character as she develops, she doesn't want to do a lot of the stuff that she is doing as she's going forward. And we will, we'll get into the plot and the motivations and everything. But like, as she's moving forward through this game, I feel like she is driven by her revenge and, but She's being put into situations where she's like, I either do this thing that I do not feel that I should be doing and us as the player feel the same way. It's either I, I do it and even though I don't want to and I keep going or I don't do it and I die. And it's just we're put into that situation and we're forced to make these hard decisions. And I think we see that in the end where we even have a flashback moment where Ellie kind of has PTSD over all the stuff that she did. And I think that they wouldn't have put in that important little scene and that nod to the actions of these characters had an effect on them. And I've never seen that before in an action-adventure game where the character, after going through some incredibly brutal stuff, actually has feelings and and feels bad about it and has trauma from all of this stuff from the things that they were forced to do and so that's where I feel like that that disconnect between the player and the character and like the idea of I don't really feel right about doing this I think that's built in and that's kind of intentional and that's kind of genius
0: See, I don't I don't have a disagreement with what you describe is I think it's one of the valid headspaces. You can uh, one of the valid headspaces is you agree with what the character is doing. The other one is that you're reluctant and they force and the game forces you to do something that you don't want to do. Either it's because it's a character that's evil or because it's a character that's uncertain, right? Those I'm all fine with. It's the ones that don't seem explicable to me within universe. It's like the the confusing ones. Let's get into specifics now because, you know, we've already fired off spoiler on long ago, you know. right? Um so th- the the main sort of oh so we have abby who's going who's the the daughter of the doctor and she has a fairly straightforward motivation is i'm gonna kill the person who killed my dad right totally makes sense right we don't know that when we meet her it's very clever you know the way the story plays out or whatever her motivation at that point makes some kind of sense because you're just meeting her and you're like obviously abby's the type of person who holds a grudge because she brings this band of people across the whole country she's gonna find joel and she's gonna kill him right so but that's all we know of her right ellie on the other hand has never been established as someone who has this incredible drive to for vendetta right that's placed upon her by the story but the story like the the game doesn't feel a need to explain that it's like i played a whole game as this character and she was not revenge driven and you haven't shown me anything that has happened to her that has made her revenge driven and yes she loved joel and everything but and maybe she would set off and have to try to revenge uh, to get revenge against him The game never convinced me that each additional step that she was going made sense for her character, especially in light of everything else that was happening with her character, her relationship with uh, what's her name? I always
1: forget the character names.
0: Yeah, her relationship with Dina, right? The uh, the other people that she's encounters along the way, the you know the the fact that Dina ends up uh, being pregnant, uh, you know, her her friend Jesse, you know, like the whole at every step they make. Like, yes, it, it's it's awkward for us to do or it feels bad to do a thing that we don't want to do. I think Ellie wouldn't want to do it either. And there's not enough in-game motivation for Ellie to be doing it. It's not like I disagree with controlling a character that's doing something that, that I wouldn't want to do. I don't think Ellie would do those things. And it it very, you know, and, and they do that not just once or twice or three times, but like way past the point where i thought they would you know the the big one is obviously she's back on the farm i honestly thought that was going to be the end of the game same because what possible motivation could she have to go out there again the ptsd is the reason she would stay i'm not going to go subject myself to that i've got you know i'm shell-shocked i got to stay down on the farm and chill out and and find a way to get over this and then the heel turn of tommy who at various points was arguing against going and wanted them to come back now he's got to come in and he's gonna guilt her into going out again there's no way she would leave that farm and there's no way tommy would try to make her leave that farm because that doesn't make sense for those two characters
1: yeah that's i mean that's my personal
0: opinion that part was tricky yeah right so like i know the game wants these people to have to do these things the disconnect for me is I increasingly felt like it's not that I disagree with what you're doing. You disagree with what you're doing, Ellie. You are being dragged along by the script. And I know, Ellie, you wouldn't do that. And Tommy, I don't know what if you're a Tommy's doppelganger that comes in and trying to tell like there's no way that these characters would do that thing.
2: And it just it it really took me out of the game. I read Ellie leaving the farm as her not being able to enjoy her life on the farm because of the ptsd not that the ptsd Mm. would keep her away from the violence in seattle but that her ptsd is making telling her she doesn't deserve a relaxing life on but she
0: doesn't actually want revenge especially that she didn't want revenge earlier like but now she certainly doesn't need to go kill abby like there's no reason here's the thing like in, in when you have these plots where people do these herculean things where it's like okay this is a little bit over the top I think the ones that work the most for me is if you're going to rescue somebody who's still alive because then all the ridiculous things you do and you're willing to sacrifice everything and you know leave your family and leave your job and lose limbs and just because you know at the end of that is this one person that the game really wants you to believe that this person really loves that person they're just going to go after them no matter what that was kind of the joel and ellie vibe at the beginning of the game and it's a little bit over the top and it's silly but you know that if you accomplish this what you get is you rescue the person or you don't and it's tragic but either way there's something at the end this what do you get at the end of revenge nothing we all know that we all know revenge is hollow ellie knows that more should know that more than anything having lived through the first game and everything and yet somehow we're led to believe that she's gonna go like this is what she's gonna do fine she leaves the farm can't handle it with dina's got ptsd fine go after abby why you don't care about abby anymore you never want to see abby again you never cared about abby and when you're done killing her, you know you're not gonna feel better and what's the point
2: but she doesn't kill her. And that's the big like emotional punch in the gut. <laughs> she
0: goes through a whole section of the game getting up to
2: that yes, point. Yes, 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 John. However, just like Last of Us 1, everything that you worked for so long over the course of 20 to 30 hours is undone by a character's emotional moment. I think they were informed by the positive response to the ending of The Last of Us 1 in 2013 uh, to the point where, like you said, there's no big, difficult emotional decisions that are controversial throughout the first last of us there's only one and the game ends on it the fact that we had to wait seven years to get the last of us 2 where there's like five or six different controversial decisions that are made by characters on par with the ending of the last of us 1 again beget by that decision at the end of the last of us 1 i feel like i agree with tiff in that ellie doesn't realize she doesn't want it and we are still along with the ride for her because we have to, because the backbone of the video game is that you have to do the thing. There were times where I didn't want to do something in the game. And so I didn't. And then I died. And you, I restarted a few seconds earlier. And it turns out you have to do it in order for the game to progress. And I think that is the beauty of the ending. Yeah, I
1: tried not killing the dogs. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, same. laughs> I'm like, I going to want to do it.
2: And I think that's the beauty of The Last of Us too is that when she has PTSD on the farm, she doesn't want to go kill Abby. She wants to be back in the violence, and the only thing that she realizes she has to chase in that world is killing Abby. And when that fails, when she realizes that she's gone through everything and doesn't want to do it regardless, and comes back missing two fingers, which really wrecked me. Oh my god. Oh
1: god, me too.
2: And she couldn't play guitar anymore. The idea of her wearing on her skin and on her hand as a scar of regret and a sign of how close to the sun she flew only to give up at the end. I think that is where the ending of the last of us two 2- is, is on par with the first one i agree getting there maybe it wasn't the best but i think that the ending and setting everything else up makes it worth it
0: and then saving abby but then saying actually you know what if they had just had here's i think they just did went that well too many times first of all i think that the things were unmotivated that's why i say the game didn't follow didn't bring me along with them i just thought they were unmotivated it's not that i just disagree but the second thing is they kept going back there like and so by the time she's up at the abby and the pillar and she lets her down i'm like oh come on game at this point like because she could have just killed abby on the pillar hey done i got my revenge but my way doesn't seem very
2: sportsmanlike.
0: right exactly but but it's like come on game she's not gonna at this point i felt like okay game you made me think i'm going there to get revenge Never really i'm gonna save abby so she's walking abby down to the water but then the game goes you know what no she changed her mind again she really wants to kill her i'm like no she doesn't she does not want to kill abby she just saved her i do not have to have this fight sequence why go through this again i know she doesn't want to kill her and yes eventually the game gets there and says you know what this revenge is going to be hollow and Joel wouldn't want this. We all know that, you know that I know that every, anyway, this is, I don't want to belabor it. This is, this is, it's not like I'm saying, it's like, this was my experience playing the game. A lot of people had similar experiences. doesn't mean that this story can't work because obviously it worked for the two of you better than it worked for me. It's just that I feel like this, this story seemed to work in a smaller percentage of people than the first one. And it may also be because in the first game, every part of it worked for me. I think Everything wasn't undone at the end of the first game. I wanted to kill that doctor because I think the first game at its most successful puts you into Joel's headspace, which is easy for me because I'm a dad, whatever. <laughs> it puts you into Joel's headspace and says, you know what? On the one hand, saving my new daughter figure who means literally everything to me that I spent the entire game protecting and, and saving and who also saved my life. And on the other hand, this doctor tells me in this dingy hospital that they're going to save the world. And me in Joel's place says, you don't know you're going to save the world. You think you are, but you're going to kill my surrogate daughter without asking her permission while I'm around? No, I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to lie about it. And I would never regret that decision. Just like Joel said, I would do it a million times again. And so that's just my experience. Obviously, other people had a different opinion at the end of Last of Us 1, but Last of Us 1 brought me along the whole way. And this game, it was like, we are leaving you behind, and I just did not connect with in particular ellie's decisions abby on the other hand and we should talk about ellie versus abby abby i felt like was the character that i connected with more than ellie in this game which was interesting to me (laughs) did did you both hate abby or
2: i so the only time this game didn't bring me along with it on the wild ride was when we played through seattle uh day one two and three as ellie and then the title comes up you're playing as abby seattle day one i thought was one of the most brilliant narrative shifts ever in a game ever but i was really dreading thinking oh i'm gonna get empathy for abby and i'm gonna play through the second half of the game as abby and i've lost all of my collectibles and i have to upgrade all of my weapons again that was the only time oh Oh,
1: brian you and i are so the same player we can totes (laughs) hang let me tell you because that's exactly how i felt
0: I was so happy to play as Abby even before I got to know the character just because she's so much better in combat than Ellie. And I was like, yes.
1: I love that they have different fighting styles. They have different yes. body types. That's a wonderful thing about this game. They are showing two women with very different body types. And it is such a uh, it's a damn breath of fresh air the to biceps. see this actually like be there, be accepted, not be like a thing. It just is like they're just there i love that they have different weapons that they're able to carry they have different fighting styles um abby does a lot more shiving uh <laughs> and a lot more um you know crossbow action and ellie carries lighter weapons and she's more agile like it is a wonderful thing to see these two characters uh after coming off of you know Decades of video games where all you have is incredibly stacked, stu- super thin, barely clothed women who are running around games and they have no difference between them. And it's just, it's so wonderful to see these characters. And that is something about this game that feels so fresh and wonderful to me. And it makes me really thankful to play it because you're seeing two fairly aggressive, combative women and it's wonderful because, gosh, sometimes you just feel like that. And it's, it's great that they let these characters have emotions and body types and fighting styles. And just they're they're full rounded people and they're women and they're playing in this game and they're kicking, you know, infected butt. And it's just it's it's such a wonderful thing to see. And then we get like this really great story to see. Women driven by revenge, which is typically would have been like a male story, but it's not. It, it's, it becomes a person's story. And I think that that's what this game says over and over and over again is everyone's just people. And I appreciate that to no end.
2: I don't know how deep we want to get into this, but there is an extremely sexist backlash to the game criticizing its story in bad faith about the fact that they killed their big strong man from the first game, and now we have to play as the wimpy feminist girl.
0: You know how much we want to get into that? Zero amount, because that's so dumb. It's so dumb. There are many dumb
1: ar- arguments about no, this game. No, total Gamergate yeah. backlash about this I don't, game. I don't about think that.
2: either of your criticisms of the story are in bad faith at all, and <laughs> I agree with... I, I can see where you two are coming from, but so many people on the internet just get angry that... Here's the other thing. Uh, I think that the reason The Last of Us... Uh, it's funny to me that The Last of Us 2's big, dramatic, emotional decisions were not heavily as criticized as The Last of Us 1's one big uh, emotional decision because <laughs> yeah. they came from young women and not old men.
0: Yeah, I, my favorite uh, ridiculous criticism of the game is there's no way a woman could have arms that strong. It's
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like are you kidding me? So it's the apocalypse. They don't, have enough,
0: they don't have enough food or calories. Never mind. Joel is this gigantic powerhouse the entire first game when they're all <laughs> supposedly starving. That's
1: fine. But no. Yeah, there's, there's lots of dumb criticisms of the game. Um, I mean, they live. Know, I, I think they think live in a. The they live in a stadium, and there's a giant gym there. Of course, she's <laughs> going to be ripped. Like uh, she's yeah. sent like five years pumping iron like she's been amazing the the game went the game went through the lengths to
0: show you how they got there by showing you the younger version and showing her getting stronger like they did all the they did all this legwork that they didn't need to do and still people complain those all those ridiculous those arguments are ridiculous they did legwork on leg day (laughs) every day is leg day (laughs) (laughs) but it was so with the character turned to abby abby is an interesting contrast because like her character is established as being driven by revenge so it's not like you have to say that's not like abby because you don't know abby and the first thing you know about her is cross country revenge. I'm like all right abby cross-country revenge let me write that down seems seems to make sense but abby has character turns through the game that makes you realize that she now that she's accomplished her revenge she realizes it's hollow she realizes that the war between the wolves and the seraphites and everything is kind of pointless and she changes her behaviors based on those learnings and she has dramatic moments with saving lev and yara and the that, that whole escape and so on and so forth and so Abby, I feel like, has a character arc that carried me along the whole way. I also enjoyed playing as her, and I enjoyed the contrast with Ellie. The gameplay contrast, the personality contrast. I love the part where they have Ellie... Like, I don't know if you guys did this, but if you try to swim in that water by the aquarium with the big piers in it as Ellie, you just die. And then then you get to play as Abby, and she just plows through it. And then she comes out of the water and she says, boy, that water's pretty rough. It was such a, <laughs> such a <laughs> oh, power man. move to make you... To make you do the exact same thing with two different characters. And literally, Ellie, it's like instant death. Like, you have no control over it. Like, you go into the water, and it puts you into a death cutscene. But then Abby just plows through it with her giant arms. It's awesome. God,
2: that reminds me of the moment in Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which I don't want to spoil, but very similar vibes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I just loved it. And I loved playing as her, because I guess my fighting style, at least in these type of games, is more like the Abby fighting style, because I did so much better as her. I mean, obviously, she's tougher. She's got more hit points. She's got better weapons. But I was just a killing machine with Abby, whereas Ellie... I didn't like like her fighting style of being more agile and everything. I'm ba- and more stealthy. I'm obviously bad at. I'm I'm more of an Abby. I just go in with guns blazing.
1: <laughs> John has a ticket to the gun show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I love playing her. And I love I loved all of her friends. I loved all of her interactions with them. And that part of it really worked for me. The idea that you're going to play this other character and then your quote unquote heroes will kill off all of the friends of this character that you've come to like. That that all worked for me, even though, because at that point it's like, well, that already happened. So I'm already, if I was mad about any of that, I already got over it. Now I'm playing this the other side. And I know what's going to happen. I know Abby's going to find Owen and... Uh, What's her name? Uh, Mel. 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 Owen and Mel on the ground, and and I, the whole reveal of like uh, Ellie not knowing that Mel was pregnant, and Dina being pregnant. Like, there's lots of scenes that play out really well, and I have to say the the acting in these games is. I think it's. I mean, some people are like, oh, it's it's because it's a video game, and it's you know everything's relative. Like, oh, it's good acting for a video game. I don't know. I think these cutscenes and this motion capture and these performers. I think it's good acting. It's good writing, good acting. I was emotionally invested in these scenes, right? And I I think it all worked for me. I think the the relationship and the characters that were drawn out, you know, the whole people in the stadium and Manny and the, the relationships, you know, if you go around and listen to other people talking and everything like that, it wasn't just good for a video game. It was just playing good,
2: right? I was totally on board with Abby's crew. I think it's so funny that we are praising a video game's acting for being genuinely great acting. Like 10 years ago, that would feel like, you know, praising a song for having great lighting design. Like what? That, that makes no <laughs> sense.
1: Yeah, it's
0: the march of technology. But yeah, you, and that's another thing that you can't really do in an open world game because you don't know what people are going to do. So you kind of have to have canned phrases and so on and so forth. With every ounce of this game. Is scripted and made intelligent and you know, you can you can go to people in different orders and hear what they're saying and you might get some dialogue and not get other dialogue, but it's all coherent. It never felt like now character will say line of animation. It's all just <laughs> it's all just woven so seamless. I love the ones where you're walking around,
2: like you're going through the level and Lev is talking to you about stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
2: just phenomenal but, and you can yeah. push triangle to get an extra line or two of dialogue at key points and i can't <laughs> imagine anyone not doing that it, that's like pavlovian i see that I'm like yes yes yes
1: yes run towards it you're like don't don't go too far away i want to hear <laughs> yeah, you
2: exactly if, i i felt if, the way you felt
0: tiff that you only found 44 percent of the collectibles or whatever i felt like if i missed a single one of those triangle dialogues i'm gonna feel really bad because that's like the whole game for me
2: I wound up liking Abby and her crew eventually, but I spent the first few hours playing as her, wishing I could be playing as Ellie again and advancing that storyline. There were still definitely things to discover about Seattle and about the world, and especially about the Seraphites in Abby's storyline as well. But I really, it took me a while to warm up to Abby and her crew because I was really wishing I could play as Ellie again. And the idea that when you plot out, you know, if you dialogue both stories separately on a piece of paper, they look extraordinarily similar. But what The Last of Us 2 does uh so magnificently is interspersed things back and forth with both cutting back and forth between the two characters and cutting back and forth between time. There wind up being four different stories, past and present, Al- Ellie and Abby. And I think the way that the game moves back and forth between them, my favorite of which being the reveal midway through the game that Ellie knew the whole time we'd been playing her that Joel killed the doctor and took her away from the hospital. And I think that when the entire time I was playing, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop for when Ellie finds out that she's been going to Seattle and murdering people and doing all these terrible, terrible things to avenge someone who betrayed her. So, But turns the heck out. You realize that she's known the entire time. You mean saved her life, not betrayed, but saved her life. Is that what you mean? She wanted her life to mean
0: <laughs> something, John. Yeah. Th- so this is one of those like you know have like misunderstanding based romantic comedies, and you're like, ah, oh, well, that's just part of the genre. Like this is not really a fault of the game, but if you but if you think about it, you're like, well, at the end of the first game. If you had just woken Ellie up and asked her permission, Doctor, she would have said yes. And we have all would have saved, you know, according to the game, possibly saved humanity. But because you insisted on not even asking her, that's why you're all dead. Because that's a (laughs) no-no.
1: Gotta have consent. There's there's gotta gotta be consent.
0: Like, (laughs) like to the whole thing. She even had her daughter, as we find out in this game, Abby came in and said to her dad, you know, if it was me, I'd want you to do it. Right. Ellie would have said the exact same. We know Ellie would have. She says it in this game, right? So it's not speculative. We know they both would have volunteered. And if she had volunteered, she would have made Joel accept it because Joel does whatever she says because because that's their relationship, right? Anyway, I, I this the the multi timeline thing. It's not just four timelines, young and old. There's like seven different times that are interleaved <laughs> with each other because they, they do flashbacks that flash back into the middle of a different flashback at a certain particular point it's incredibly complex it's very very well done i think again they went back to that well maybe one too many times i'm not saying they i think they did it well every single time they did it it made sense it made dramatic sense and and they fit together but they did that so much and and when i was playing it i more or less knew that ellie must have found out because it's clear that they from the very very beginning of the game it's clear that joel and ellie had had a falling out and what are they going to have a falling out over you know it's because she found out what happened i mean at the end of the first game basically tells you that the end of the first game ellie talks to him and you can tell she doesn't really believe him but she's going to go along with it that has to be what their issue is right and so it took a really long time for the game to say oh by the way remember how joel and ellie had a falling out and they had some they were like cold to each other in the beginning of the game now finally like 17 hours later yeah she totally went to the hospital and and found out for sure right it's like all right well i kind of already knew that but it was super cool anyway um but that yeah the flashing back and forward if you diagram it, it is incredibly intricate. I I feel for the people who I had to work on and write this game, because getting all that right and connecting it all up, down to the minute, down to the second, down to the hour, to have people believably in the places where they are, it all. I think I didn't find any sort of places where they cheated it or made someone teleport from one place to the other. Yeah, and it didn't
1: feel jarring ever. Yeah,
0: like and when Tommy's there at the marina, it's like, yeah, that's you could you draw the timeline in your head and say this all makes sense it all fits together and even you know how, how did uh abby find ellie for that dramatic before they do the cut over to the characters well it's because ellie left the map there and it's like the the for the brochure from the theater that she came which was you know dumb move but whatever she just killed a pregnant person and was kind of you know so like it all it all actually makes sense it's very well done it kind of reminded me of knives out where all the pieces more <laughs> or less fit together in a intricately uh you know designed.
1: Can we just talk for a second? We're talking about the flashbacks. I just really want to point out the one where they're going through the museum and looking at all the dinosaurs together oh. and then they end up in the space capsule. Those moments in that it's so Beautiful and so great. The different things you can interact with, the way you can put on the helmets and you sound different inside of them when you're talking, the way uh, you it, you interact with all the little pieces that are in this like totally run down museum. It is done so incredibly well and beautiful. I, I played that section for a very long time like i went really slow i made sure i did every single little triangle dialogue that i possibly could i put my hat on all of the things mm-hmm. i even got a trophy oh. for it because i put my hat on so much stuff uh it was like <laughs> did, you, did you climb the t-rex uh you can't uh, i put my hat on one of the no, the, out, the, the outside one t-rex. outside uh, oh yes i did and jumped off of it right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i totally did that um it's it was just such a Breath, like you could just breathe in that moment. You could, you can marinate in that relationship with Ellie and Joel. And I think that that scene in particular really connected for me why Joel was so important to her. And a lot of the driving force, if we want to connect it back to what John was saying about, like, why is she so hell bent on revenge? The idea that Joel being a father figure, yeah, that's good and all. And, and that obviously is Abby's motivation for revenge. Like she loved her father, but the idea of thinking about Abby out there alive when she doesn't have Joel anymore to like give her those joys to like give her those moments. He was the only one that knew her in any way to like bring her to a dinosaur museum for her birthday. And, and in the capsule with the, with the um, music or the, um, the launch sequence that he, she was listening to, right? Wasn't that it on the, on the cassette player? It was just like, who else in her life would have given her that? And I think that those little cutscenes where we see her with Joel really, really make you understand the idea of Ellie having like a festering notion that's driving her forward of Abby gets to live while I don't have Joel. And it just continues to fester. And like, she'll let it go for a time and be like, I can do this. I can, I can live without it. I can let her be. And then she has this flashback and we see what she had. And then she remembers what was taken away. And then she's motivated again to go after Abby. And I think that that's like what we see and where those cutscenes kind of keep that motivation alive in both Ellie and in the player.
2: The fact that all of the things in those cutscenes are optional. Is it really shows the courage of its convictions that it has in this level design and in their uh, the way that they record and set up the space? It's amazing. I feel sorry for someone who just ran through the museum without in- investigating everything and throwing the hats on the dinosaurs. <laughs> they don't get this game, then they just they just don't. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's awful. My roommate uh, is, who was also playing the game, uh, they did not jump off of the dinosaur. But they also uh, found other little triangle dialogue moments inside the museum that I missed. And I think the fact that they, even though, like we've said, it's not an open world game and it's not something you can really choose your path through, there's still so much variance from playthrough to playthrough. And the fact that they polished every single possible permutation of the dialogue, the level design, the uh, interactions with the hats and the dinosaurs is so astoundingly beautiful.
0: Yeah, the the, the uh, museum level and a lot of the levels, I feel like, do some of the work that this game kind of has to do as a part two where they can't actually assume that every single person has played part one. Um, it, strictly speaking, I feel like the the museum scene and similar ones are redundant with the first game because like we'd already seen their relationship. But if you haven't played the first game, you're being asked to buy into this incredible relationship with the two of them. So you kind of have to make people see it and play it to live it right and you know or maybe even if you played the first game and you played it a long time ago right uh, we're I'd- also
1: filling in five years of time here and we're filling mm-hmm. in five years of time of like them not trying to cross the country for ellie to die essentially you know like <laughs> we are we're filling in the time where they just got to be humans together and and live instead of essentially survive as they were doing in the first game
0: and there's also the before and after uh even in the all the flashbacks there's before Ellie's realization and after like mm-hmm. before the falling out and after there's the slow the slow sort of you know coming out thing of uh, you know Ellie being interested in women which was you know uh, which was started with the uh, was left behind uh, DLC to the mm-hmm. first game mm-hmm. right that all kind of works together there i'm not on board with when when uh Tiff was talking about how she feels like this scene motivates the revenge that headcanon all makes sense to me but I don't think that was that wasn't in the game for me for the character like I think that would all make her sad you've never wanted revenge
1: have but, you? but I think but the thing is <laughs> yeah. I
0: think I think not having Joel would make her sad sure but didn't for me was not it, I wasn't convinced that, that that her reaction to that would be cross-country revenge uh, relentless revenge in that way I think she would be sad right And even Abby I mean Abby had it more of an arc but like Abby loses Owen who she cares a lot about Abby loses all of her friends ellie lost her original dad right and she was never motivated to hunt down those killers like i I just feel like abby had her revenge realized it was hollow and changed as a person even going so far as to realize the wolf serified things were ridiculous and befriending a serified and everything she had more of an arc whereas ellie was like and from my perspective being prodded along by an invisible hand making her act in ways that didn't make sense to me
2: well, that's what hurts about Ellie's arc overall, is that we see Abby, someone we are predispositioned to hate and loathe, uh, we see her learn and grow and befriend Lev uh, while we are watching Ellie, uh, someone who has had 1.5 games worth of love from us instead of just 0.5 games worth of love from uh, for Abby. And I think that's what really sells uh, the awfulness of what Ellie does. I agree that she, like, I don't agree with what she's doing. And I also agree with Tiff that she doesn't agree with what she's doing. And I think we need to think about the way that Ellie the person is going through this world and this universe with a sense of, like, I don't know, she doesn't understand what she's doing either. And watching her come to that realization at the end is what is heartbreaking, especially after all of the sorry, shiv, that Abby goes through. uh, Watching her learn and grow as a person while Ellie doesn't is freaking heartbreaking.
1: Oh, that's such a good comparison right there. Um, I want to hear what you guys think about the guitar playing.
2: (laughs) I've never cried more while playing a guitar than when I was first learning, I don't know, I can't think of a funny song to put at the end of that joke. I cried so much learning (laughs) how to play guitar
0: on the freaking PS4 controller. This is another thing that this game does so well in most of these Naughty Dog games. There'll be a mechanic like that where if they used it too much, it would just be silly and annoying. They use it a tiny little bit, and you're like, oh, that was a fun little thing that I did. But they're totally setting you up. Like, you don't know this yet. But they're setting you up. And they and the it setup works so beautifully because they're like, oh, yeah, I like when they add these neat little gameplay. Oh, I can put a, a hat on a dinosaur. Look, I can play guitar chords by pointing the little direction. And, yeah, I see how that works with Joel in the first game and his guitar or whatever. And then, like, it's like 20 hours of setup. And then you sit down on that bed at the end of the game with your missing fingers and play your discordant guitar. And you're like, all right, fine. You did it. <laughs> you got me because like it's, it's it's so well done like it would be so annoying if you were constantly sitting down and playing the guitar they put it in just the right amount which is so hard to do because if you put it in too little it won't resonate with people and if you put it in too much you're like oh another guitar thing oh strum 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 yeah whatever
2: i just posted in uh, our chat and it will be in the show notes uh the guitarist of blink 182 playing a blink 182 song in the last of us on the guitar it's one of the best things i've seen on the internet <laughs>
1: I was personally really mad about the guitar playing. I thought at first it was silly. I'm like, what is this gimmick? They're making me like strum on like the pad of the controller. And I was not happy about it. It it, it annoyed me. It bothered me. Um, I thought it was cheesy. And until she plays those chords without those fingers. And I was like, "Come on, I just I was so yeah, It's a little on the nose, but I'm, I i give it to him." But it on got the me. Fingers. It got me so bad. It it really really did. And I was like, "Well, now that felt like it was worth it to like do those silly things in the game." And it kept like And and a thing about it too is like they had the um like reoccurring you can keep picking up the guitar do you want to practice and then you're like okay let me practice And i've practiced like three times to see like am i supposed to keep doing this or when right. is the triangle gonna go away and it didn't <laughs> and so i was like oh okay so I'm, this is just for fun for fun The funsies. triangle never
0: goes away in guitar playing
1: no it doesn't
0: <laughs> in real life or in
2: games
1: <laughs> but yeah it definitely made it worth it with that end scene i was like all right good good job game bravo
2: my roommate, uh, every time that the guitar would come up and you could just play for a while, uh, they always copied a save file somewhere on their hard drive so that if they ever wanted to just come back and play guitar without the game rushing them, they uh, they just come in and uh, play this one save game they made. Yeah.
0: The, the, so, and the moments like this, the guitar thing and all, all the, the scenes that work, the characters that work, the moments like work, I think that's part of the reason why there were so many negative reviews in the vein uh, that I was describing in the story aspects, because the parts of this game that work work really well, and when they work, if you have the experience that, that I had playing the game, you get mad at the other parts because, like, oh my god, so much of this game is so good, and yet you made this character do this thing that that does, that seems unmotivated to me. Like your your story hinges on a ridiculous path of unmotivated actions that I disagree with, but oh, this scene works so well in that context, and it makes people angry, like angrier than they would be if they're like, oh, it was an okay game, and I think the story was weak in this area, right? But because the good parts are so incredibly good, I feel like. The reviews ended up being more negative because they're like, how how dare you do so well in so many areas and then these in this in this sort of in the backbone of the game have something that doesn't work for me. I don't I don't have any particular anger towards the game, but I do definitely feel like it's a little bit heartbreaking that 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 the scenes that work work so well because then my brain races back to like, wait, but wait a second, there's some stupid stuff there, right? Whereas the, the first game, like I said, brought me along the the entire way through. I feel like individual scenes. And characters and stories in The Last of Us Part Two are better than they are in the first game. But it's like the first game for me anyway, holds together more coherently and will always have a special place in my heart. It's almost as if I wish that like you could have sort of the first game with the expansive world that this has. But the first game doesn't have that many characters. It's got uh, got a lot more of the infected and everything this game just feels like it blew it out. It's like, not only does it have a lot of characters, they're not just like random, you know, oh, I see them and I recognize their face and character model. There's there's an ensemble cast here, and I think they all get time to be themselves. You get to know their personalities. You get to know, like, their situations and empathize with them and be angry with them and for them. And, you know, like, just Amel versus Abby and Owen, all three of them have things that they are to blame for in their sort of weird love triangle thing, but you understand how it all came about. Oh, speaking of the... One more unmotivated thing. this not, not to pick it up, but like, you can tell me if I'm missing something here. The deal with if Abby and Owen in the beginning, the, I think the game is trying to tell me that they can't get together because she's too preoccupied with avenging her dad's death to have sexy times with Owen. Is that... Am I misreading this?
1: I think that she is so preoccupied with revenge that that's her main motivation in life. That and she doesn't have time for love? She's not interested in a, a focusing on a relationship right now. Yeah, i didn't pay I mean, enough I,
2: attention because i just wanted to play as ellie <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: see i i think
0: that's what the game was going for but the one seed they had to hit that point had him trying to say hey let's get it on her going no no i just i'm really just thinking about revenge against my dad it's like really All yeah right, well, really i mean think I mean, about like
1: if you're career motivated and you're just like you know what i just you I don't, really can't have a boyfriend right now i motivated just <laughs> Well, maybe they did just have it a little bit, but but they couldn't have a relationship. Like a relationship no, is but, more than just sex.
0: I mean, the way the game made it, they had a relationship, though. I love the Ferris wheel scene and the jumping off. I oh, was speaking of that. Uh, Abby's fear of heights, which again, fine, cliche. Oh, you know, come back in movies, around, cliche in books. But I got actual vertigo on the whole going along the past with lev like when that elevator starts moving they did such a good job with the camera i don't have a fear of heights i'm not afraid of heights at all but this game was able to induce
2: the vertigo i'm like wow that's amazing
1: i fell off that like four times that very end (laughs) Mm -hmm. bit oh my gosh so many
2: I played, a, I, I played this game partially on, like, a 40-inch TV downstairs and on my big 27-inch monitor upstairs, back and forth. And I played that sequence on the 27-inch monitor right in front of my face, and that was a bad idea for my tummy and my eyes. It was <laughs> so
0: good and so bad at the same time. And, and I love the dialogue between her and Lev during that with this whole speech about fear bringing out the best in you, and she's like, oh, don't die, don't die. <laughs> Just, <laughs> it was it was so good. It was it was funny, it was suspenseful. Again, could have, you know, like, I was... Uh, Feel, fall short of saying oh this could be in a movie because games are not like movies like if you just put that on the screen with that pacing it wouldn't make for a good movie scene. i don't know but i'm a big game when,
1: watcher i love watching someone play yeah, a but i think
0: that's different too because you know you're watching a game but like when you're in it it feels the pacing of this game feels right how long mm-hmm. that sequence takes all the different things the uh, the ramping up of like how high is this building what are we going to go across now we're going across this now it's even skinnier now it's on the top now it's on the side and then of course you do fall at the end which you can't help doing and, but you think you might be able to help, and you're like, deep in you That's great. That was an amazing sequence.
1: This game has a lot of heart and story and a lot of scavenging, but there is combat. And I think that we should uh, talk about it as it amps up in the middle of the game. We have some like new enemies that I'd like to bring up, uh, particularly part of the infected. I like that they have the scramblers. And then we also have a couple, like, main boss monsters that are quite uh, disgusting. I called one of them the inside monster. If anyone's played inside, <laughs> yep, you know yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what I'm talking oh, about. <laughs> oh, it was very much like that. And, like, I, I liked it. It was exactly that, you know, like that. It was so awful. So
0: it, in the first game, there was a variety of enemies. There was a handful of them, but they had particular characteristics. In the first game, the first game was focused much—I felt like—much, much more heavily about you understanding how t- the understanding and surviving the infected. Mm-hmm. And there were human enemies too, but a lot of the first game was—it was a lot up, of military anyway. Was was yeah? Was about the infected and then the uh, military. And in this game, you're like, okay, well, we have got to amp it up, right? There's got to be new enemy types. And I thought they did a great job of bringing new enemy types that weren't ridiculously over the top. But the inside monster is a perfect example, like you know. They're, they're gonna do that eventually but they didn't do it too much like they say oh this is the this was the source of the infection in seattle so of course that's where the most infected are and the most fungus and yes of course that's where the inside monster would happen because it's the most of those guys banging together and they all wad up into one big giant wall. it makes perfect and then one of them breaks off in the middle of the combat and now it's running around after you oh it's that- horrible
1: oh and then when they pop out of the wall when they come out of like the yeah, walls. yeah another variety of just like oh they're part of the wall and it's just yeah they're they're all really good i love abby's line when that happens Stop doing that. And I love that she exclaims that because that's exactly what I said. Every time like one of the infested pops out of the booger wall, you're like, ah, just stop it. The
2: uh, that creature's little cocoon that is covered in blood as it like came out from the fungus and blood. Oh, that was one of my favorite pieces Ugh. of set design ever in a video game.
1: It's called the Rat King. The
2: Rat King. Uh, officially. Yeah. All hail.
0: Yeah. And I I did. I liked the fact that they didn't put health bars on the boss because it made me, like, run... I'm running for my life, especially, like, that big one in Seattle. I'm running for my life through that level. Like, here's one thing I don't know. Like, when you kill the thing, eventually you go out through this particular place, right? First of all, when I played that, there's no way I could have... You can't I don't think it's, if you don't already know where that exit is, you're not going to find it because you're running from your life from this monster. And the game does such a good job of like rubber banding it so that the monster almost gets you. But if you're smart and run and dive and jump and go through windows is always like an escape route if you're yep. smart enough to find it. Right. So it, oh, it's like it's like right on your tail the whole time. I did wonder after I finally killed the monster, because I'm running around, I'm shooting, and I'm like, am I doing it wrong? Is this monster impossible to kill? Should I be running away from the monster? Eventually I kill it, and you feel such relief, because right up to that last blow, you have no idea it's near death. It looks the same as it did in the beginning of the fight. I'm, I'm throwing you know, dynamite at it, I'm shooting it with shotguns, I'm firing handguns into it, I'm running out of ammo, and it finally dies, and it feels so good, and then I find the exit. What I always wonder in this type of game, which is probably the thing I shouldn't be wondering because it's not an open world game, is... <laughs> if I knew where that exit was, could I have just run into this room and gone right to the exit and left that thing?
1: You have to kill it, right? There is a part of the game. I think it's in one of the the, um, the falling down hotel that you're going through. You can run to the very back door when you could have like stealthily or combatively made your way through like this entire hotel of infected and get through the door. I don't know if that's the same for the Rat King inside monster. Yeah, um, but... I I couldn't find it. And until I killed it yeah I, I wouldn't have wanted to want to write it anyway because I like I love those scenes and they and the
0: same thing they make it go on just long enough but having no health bar makes you wonder like you know like am I am I gonna die this thing seems unstoppable right I mean you do see parts of it blow off and you see <laughs> more blood go on it so you feel like you're making some progress but it seems especially if you have it on if you have it on anything except the most easy difficulty level you've got to pump a lot of dynamite and ammo into that thing to
1: kill it Ellie has a couple um, it'll trigger a couple like uh, dialogue lines as you're killing it and you're like ooh I made it to a new dialogue line so I must be doing well (laughs) like
2: right (laughs) right yeah you feel like you're making some progress exactly uh, speaking of running all the way to the end of level, there are two other moments I want to bring up uh, from The Last of Us 2. Uh, the first is when you're in the subway car area where a bunch of wolves are killing a bunch of infected. <sighs> yes! R- running around you. And then the second I want to bring up is when a bunch of scars and a bunch of wolves are fighting on the island. There are moments where your two characters that you play, Ellie and Abby, you have a choice of just hanging out and watching. You can throw bottles to try to like bring infected or other people over to another area. Or you can hang out and fight, or you can sprint to the end and uh, try to get out of there as fast as possible. And I think those moments are some of the best in The Last of Us 2 because they show all of the different factions fighting around each other. I'm going to say something really embarrassing right now. There were times where I forgot The Last of Us 2 was a zombie game. Because the things that I really remember about the game are the sequences on the island, the uh, tumultuous relationship between uh, Ellie and Abby, and all the other things that are not zombies. And I think one of the best things about the game is that you're constantly reminded through both gameplay, dialogue, and the general story that there are so many factors in play, so many human and natural factors that uh, play into your experience of the story.
1: The same thing happened to me, Brian. I totally forgot at times. I'm like, oh yeah, there's infected in here too. Like all of a sudden one (laughs) will jump out at you and it's like, shh, here's a clicker. And you're like, wait, a clicker? Wait, I'm playing. Oh my gosh, I'm playing this game. (laughs) It it brings you right back because sometimes you spend so much time without seeing any infected. And it makes sense because there are areas that have been cleaned out for civilization. And those areas are essentially protected from the natural now predators out there that that are the infected and so it's it's really interesting when you fall into like these pits of infected because there are areas that are so bad humans can't go and the reason you can be playing in these areas is because Ellie's immune. So they have like these really cool things where it it, it just keeps moving the gameplay along. Where you feel like, oh, okay, I'm I'm fighting these these crazy wolves, and so now I'm fighting the the scars, and now I'm fighting the infected. And it makes sense that you're doing this in all different areas because of the way the world has has become developed.
0: Yeah, I felt like the uh, as what I was getting at it before, where like the first game had many more infected. This game felt like. Not only was there more combat with humans, but the the humans felt so much more dangerous to me than the
1: infected. Oh, now they're better at it. I mean, they had
0: guns. Like, (laughs) there's that, right? But they... Like, probably the AI is not actually that much smarter, but I felt like it, but you know because i've got pretty good at killing the infected with the exception of the big boss characters which are always kind of stressful right but in general if you see them you can deal with them but the humans there was so many of them and they had guns and they coordinate with each other and they're shouting commands and like i felt a major threat from from all of the groups who was you know was fighting the wolves and they had all this military equipment or the first encounter with all the scars and in, in the woods and everything like it's just i i I got killed by, I I don't know the stats of this, but I imagine I got killed by humans way more than I got killed by infected. And they felt more dangerous. And I think that's fitting because they are more dangerous because the humans are smarter, and I, you know the whole the real monster is us blah 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 thing they didn't lean into it too much but it's
1: it's clearly there
2: maybe we are the last of us
1: i did feel relieved when i was fighting infected because i'm like oh okay i know how to handle this like if it and i was one comes out of
2: the wall and surprises you right
1: Right, (laughs) but you can handle it too i mean man do you never feel so awesome than when like something pops out at you in one of these games and you just have your shotgun ready and you're like you take them down in a second and you're like Mm -hmm. i'm so on it
2: (laughs) we should also bring up the rattlers uh the last group of humans we meet in the game who keep zombies as creepy slaves uh and you are able to free them and sick the zombies on other people and they are terrible terrible people and it's extraordinarily satisfying to kill them via zombie
1: there are so many terrible people in this world like everyone why did everyone go crazy and become terrible well that's a that's a
0: definitely an end of the world trope there's no civilization to keep them in line they they the might makes right and terrible people end up you know ruling these little kingdoms until it all falls apart when one good guy comes in and sets all the prisoners free but that's just the way it goes when you're in the end of the world game uh we should we should talk about the the two sort of uh the the characters that are not normally seen in video games obviously playing as two different women leads that that in itself is uh surprising but they had uh you know the uh, lesbian relationship with ellie and dina As you know, again, a follow in from the left behind thing, and a major part of this game, which I i mean, I thought it was done very well. And the uh, Lev being trans and that being a major uh, plot point in that whole thing, like it it motivates the entire story of uh, him and Yara leaving their village and being pursued, and and Abby, you know, basically making enemies of everybody because the wolves want her dead and the seraphites want her dead, um, and their whole sort of character arc. I thought all of it was handled. I know there's, again, lots of complaints online about this from the various communities that felt shortchanged by it, and I'm sure they were shortchanged because they are not the stars of this game and there are not a lot of games starring them, but I do feel like it was better than nothing. (laughs) It's, Mm -hmm. It's progress in the right direction.
1: Everyone agrees that it's progress in the right direction and that it's great that there was representation. I think that there was a controversy and there are problems with the idea of um, a lot of these figures either being tragic or being put into a situation where you feel bad for them. Um, But again, if you don't know about their backstory, then how do you know that that character is representing this group that is normally never represented in a video game? And so it becomes a tricky thing for the communities because we all want to see our we all want to see ourselves in these situations and and in games and represented in movies and for games especially I think it's it's really a, a tricky thing because it was so incredibly dominated by one thing for so 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 long and when I was playing this game I really what stood out to me was the number of women that you saw in every single part of it and in leadership roles and in main character roles. And I had to step back and I had to think, I I thought to myself, I was like, wow, there's a lot of women. But I never thought before, like, wow, there's a lot of dudes in this, you know, until Mm -hmm. you start realizing that there's a lot of dudes and things and people start talking about there's a lot of dudes and things. But with this in particular, I was like, I would have never noticed before, like, that there's a lack of women but i noticed an abundance of women but when i stood back i was like wow it's not an abundance it's just kind of even like that's yeah that's but it feels there, right? it feels like there's an abundance when it's even because it's it's so different to yeah, to see that, that. that's the problem
0: with having you know having games continue to be sort of homogenous and dominated by a bunch of uh white dudes as characters uh, or even just white ladies as characters like when when you have like the rare trans character in a game so much is put on that character's shoulders yeah uh and it's it's fair because if you're only going to give me one character every 17 years (laughs) you know then of course i'm going to look at that and say well it didn't do all the things and you, you could have done this better and that better or whatever whereas you know what about uh straight white dudes there's a million to them and people complain about them in every game but they're in every game like so you can say i didn't like that one i like that one i didn't like that one i like that one and this is like well let's all let's criticize the history of trans characters in triple-a video games oh that's a short conversation right and so like i i thought i thought the characters were allowed to be full like many like all of the characters all of the characters in the ensemble were allowed to be full real humans with believable motivations not constrained entirely by their stereotypes except for the stereotypes that always come with the genre which is look this is a genre where a lot of people are going to die <laughs> and so we're going to kill a lot of people off and they're not the main characters in this story so their screen time will be somewhat limited i
1: mean they killed a pregnant lady that's pretty uh that's different
0: yeah they were, they were gonna they, yeah i mean these games everybody die, right but like you know it is there's, there's so much on the shoulders of these characters and it is it's justified to say look if you're only like if, if you're only going to give me this one character, then yeah, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to put all of my heart and soul into explaining uh, how I felt about this one character because it's the only one, all right? So I, I, like, I don't, I don't fault the game creators. I think they did a good job with these characters. I liked all the characters. I liked how the story played out as not sort of. Falling into all the traps because the usual cliches are: if there's a gay relationship, the one the the uh, the non-main character gay person has to die because that relationship has to be tragic, right? And they didn't do that in this one because mm-hmm. Dina lives, right? Um, and then trans like there's been so few trans characters in anything ever that the only cliche is this is entirely a story about being trans and that's the main point of the entire story and that's the only way it can possibly exist. And this game was like, no, that's not the whole story. That's part of one character's story, but that's not part of that's not this entire game. And so allowed Lev to be a character and have relationships and drama and a personality and participate in this adventure, but also not as the main character. Right. So they
1: also had, um, just for a a fact, um, the actor who did the Mm -hmm. voice work for Lev is trans, which is a great thing that they, they had that representation there. Um, and it it stays. So there was criticism that the character wasn't written, um, By the trans community in any way, Mm -hmm. but it was portrayed um, by someone as a member of the trans community, which I I think is a a great thing. So in the future, I would love to see like a character um, with a a similar backstory that, you know, can move forward and not have that be like the tragic reason for their existence, essentially. But Mm -hmm. um, it is it is great that we have a character in a triple a video game that we can even be talking about this with so and, the,
0: and a character that is i mean when you only have the one it's good that in this game the character is admirable and heroic and we like you know like it's like many of these you know of all the characters you can look at it like well they're We sympathize with them, but they're actually just cold-blooded killers. Lev is not. (laughs) Lev is is a good person.
1: Lev is a really good character. I think overall, as a character in this game, I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. Lev as a character. And I'm Mm -hmm. I'm super glad that he was there. I love that he becomes a a friend and a companion for Abby. Uh, That's a wonderful thing. And the great thing about their relationship is that Abby isn't like, (laughs) Abby doesn't, take care of lev you know she travels with lev and lev helps navigate some of the the places that abby needs to go and they they do help each other but it never feels like abby is like taking care of lev lev can totally take care of himself and he he does often and sometimes even saves abby and and that's really really cool
0: same thing with Dina. The relationship with Dina, I thought, was very genuine and heartfelt. And Dina isn't a damsel in distress, and neither is Ellie. And they, you know, they're they're just two people. And you know, like I, I, this is the type of area where representation is farther along, where you you do have more instances now of people who understand the experience of being gay actually writing gay characters in a more believable way than the typical stereotypes, right? Right. And
1: it's so just I, another I, type of relationship. It's not saying like oh look at this yeah. crazy thing
0: and i i thought I, again the left behind dlc where where it's revealed that that ellie is lesbian uh, i that was one of my favorite little bits of gaming ever it's not very long that that dlc but I, I feel like it's it's like one it's like one section of this game it's like you know the museum section imagine like a dlc that is just one of those sections and the whole part of that section is sort of these two girls sort of uh realizing that they have a connection and that it's a romantic connection and just sort of that sort of awakening and everything. And, and the, this game retreads a few of those steps and that Ellie doesn't know what Dina's intentions are, but Ellie definitely likes her. And it's like, it's like the, will they won't they thing, but now it's with two girls. And I feel like at this point in, even in a video game, at least to me, it felt 100% natural. Whereas having the, the trans characters like, wow, this is something new and special that we haven't done before. Um, and whereas the gay relationship at least there it's like okay well this is not literally the first time this has ever happened in a game so i'm glad we're making some progress there
2: the one time where i thought that lev's story veered slightly into like marginalized group stereotypes uh was that i felt a little squidgy about the fact that uh lev being trans was used as a little bit of a plot twist and a reveal and the more people that i've talked to Uh, the more uh, I realized that that doesn't seem to be that much of an issue because guess what? I missed all of the subtle references to Lev being trans before it was explicitly said in Hmm. the game. Uh, And I also did the fullest of full media blackouts for this game that I've done for almost anything. And it seemed like common knowledge to a lot of people that, oh, this is the trans character. They show up at this point and yes, good. Um, And I did not get that. So for me... Uh, Lev being trans was a bit of a plot twist or a reveal as to why the Seraphites were really going after him in the way that they were. Uh, but the more people I talked to, the more I realized that that was on me for not realizing that uh, that was an uh, element of the story earlier than it actually was revealed to me.
0: Yeah, I didn't have spoilers for that either, but I, I I think I picked up on the hints soon soon enough.
1: Yeah, I was picking up on the hints. I also didn't have spoilers, but I also, after playing the game, I started reading some of the reviews and just like trying to you know, immerse myself in like reading as much about this game as I could because I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, and I love that some of the reviews, especially from just rando individuals online, were of thinking that the trans character was Abby just based on the way they look, <laughs> like the absolute uh, ignorance uh, that, is, that is out there. Uh, it was like, oh, there are some bad takes. Oh, some real bad takes. And that's like what is so sad that like this game initially with a lot of some of the leaks or like some of the early criticisms like it was shot down by so many people being like oh I heard that was a bad game because of like you know garbage like that that was spinning around when really the story that's out there it's it's so much more than what a lot of people even could have possibly anticipated
2: my roommate, who was extraordinarily into The Last of Us 2, uh, warned me there was some controversy leading up to the release. And because I was on full media blackout, I didn't know what it was in regard to. So I played this whole game on pins and needles about like, oh, is Dog going to do for something bad? bad? Yeah. I was no, it was for, mostly
1: like, like the external players controversy with their own like realities. Yeah. That was the problem. Mm-hmm. It was not the game.
0: Yeah, because I because I don't understand how you play this game and don't end up liking the relationship between Dina and Ellie and don't end up liking Lev and Yara and Abby. Like I, I just like, it's not, that's not a, I don't think that's a controversial take. They, they spend so much time with them and there are so many, you know, well done scenes with these characters with good acting and good writing, having believable emotions and relationships with each other. And you're going to come out of this and like somehow not like that. Like, I don't understand how that doesn't work on you. Like, do you not have human <laughs> feelings and empathy? Like, and this is what this is why representation matters so much. Is like, if you've never, uh, you know, spoken to or seen or uh, known anything about a gay person, your opinions of of gay people are going to be totally ridiculous based on whatever mumbo jumbo you've been fed. Whereas if you've seen gay people represented in all media for your entire life in every possible role good guys bad guys funny people big people small people like everything and then you're just like whatever then you then they're just another character for you to deal with right and in this game this may be many many of the people who played this game i feel like it's probably their first time having any substantial interaction with a trans person how many people have even seen a movie or read a book with a trans person like it's just not as common uh, as uh gay people right now right and so I hope that just, you know, this is how all this change happens. Exposure to understanding they're, they're actual human beings, right? That everybody is a person. And sometimes the only way to get that done for some people, you can t- talk to them about it until they're blue in the face and won't work. They have they have to essentially live it. You have to, you know, meet somebody or read a book or watch a movie or yes, play a video game. And we're just at the very, very beginning of that ramp for, for trans people in video games. But it's an important ramp and it has to exist. And so I say... Bring on the criticisms and, you know, for every every kind of representation, bring on the criticism, do better next time, but keep going in this direction because I guarantee you 20 years from now, someone's going to be telling their own personal story about how they came to understand trans people and they're going to cite Lev from this video game. It's, it's going to happen because it, it sounds silly and the character may be problematic and people complain about it, but that's not going to matter compared to the person who is able to eventually come around to the idea that trans people are human.
2: <laughs> trans rats. There you go.
1: So are there any things that we want to mention before we wrap up here? There's just so much to love about this game. There's so much to talk about. There are so many beautiful little tiny details. Um, I guess this is kind of a last words uh, that we're going through here because I think we covered almost everything. We've got gameplay. We talked about the combat. We talked about the weapons, the cutscenes, the special moments, the characters, the enemies, the plot, the art. We didn't mention the music. Um, I, I, I love the
0: music. It's the same as the first game, but I love the music in the first game. It's spare guitar playing by that Musician probably, and I think it's perfect.
1: Any last comments?
0: I would like to ask both of you. Considering you didn't have the plot problems that I had, which do you prefer, part one or part two? If you had to pick, like, which is you know your favorite of the two?
2: Oh god, oh. the one with Robert De Niro is so good, but the one with Marlon Brando is so... No, <laughs> uh, I think Last of Us two standing on the shoulders of the last of us one makes it a better game uh i love the first one to death but the improvements in the second one i I i truly didn't believe the last of us would ever get a sequel like what the heck could you do with this moving forward that's ridiculous but turns out they made a sequel they made a great one and I think that the extra stuff that the second one elaborates on and delving deep into Ellie's character, as well as doing something totally different and really shoving down your throat that they're doing something different by brutally murdering the uh, the character from the first game uh, to show you this is not your grandpappy's uh, Last of Us.
1: Gosh, it's so tricky because the first Last of Us is definitely was literally in my top four games of all time that I just I absolutely adore uh, based on the story and the gameplay. I love scavenging through post-apocalyptic landscapes. It's just it hits all of my my little brain buttons for for a perfect game. And just the fact that there's another one. I don't know if it's just the culmination of both that 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 is just great. Uh, That make me, it makes me happy that they both exist, that there is a second one. I, I think that they're just so different. It's really hard to say one is better than the other. You have the, it's top two you gotta pick one no i don't my my rules john <laughs> i can it's pick like as top many you top whatever to i want them. you can't have two number ones <laughs> I guess you can that makes 11 <laughs> uh i mean the first one is it has the the beauty of it being the first one and and experiencing it that for the first time and but this one just like brian said the gameplay and everything the nuances it's kind of boiled down it, it uh, the parts that were great got better gosh um I'm going to go I'm going to go with 2. Oh, I don't know if I want to commit to that, but yeah. Okay, I think the second one's better. In
2: 2013, both The Last of Us came out and BioShock Infinite came out, two of my favorite games of all time. And The Last of Us was one of the first games I ever saw that was able to take a video game and turn it into something both cinematic and immersive in a way that I had never experienced before. I will never forget, like we had mentioned with the cutscenes, I will never forget waiting for Joel's daughter to like keep moving as the cutscene continued and I moved the joystick and said, like, wait a minute, this is gameplay. This is amazing. Uh, and the game being confident and courageous enough to do things that video games normally shouldn't do. The reason I bring up BioShock Infinite is because that game does some wild story things, but the entire time you are confined to a single like standard Call of Duty first person shooter perspective. And I think that ruins so many of the wonderful story beats that happen in the game in the way that The Last of Us, if that ever happened while developing Last of Us, that like the gameplay mechanics or the limitations of what it's like to be playing a third person action game. If that stuff ever got in the way of the story the story beats the acting the dialogue any of that they were fine with just removing the gameplay from it and doing beautiful cutscenes, while also adding in some button prompts that like we've said do not feel like quick time events it does not feel like you're you know sitting there waiting to push the button to advance the thing it feels like you're actively engaged in something heartbreaking beautiful and beautifully rendered uh, i think that the last of us 2 taking what the last of us did and improving on it, expanding on it and doing it on much more beautiful intense hardware is something that will be famous and infamous i guess in video games for many many years to come and i cannot wait to pay uh 20 bucks to play both the last of us one and two on the ps5 at some point
0: yeah, as I already said before, the Last of Us One definitely worked better for me. This game, I'm definitely in the camp of being frustrated and angry at this game because I love the good part so much that the 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 plot backbone part that doesn't work for me, I find so angering and frustrating. But I will definitely remember scenes from this game, and like and obviously technology wise, this game, like I said, this game is is just uh, it's so much better in every possible way than the first game, and the first game was already amazing. It makes me kind of wish that you'd get like. I know they already remastered Last of Us, but if you re-remastered it with everything <laughs> from this game, you know. Anyway, I I love uh, the Last of Us, the original combined with the DLC. I feel like that's an essential part of the game, and this game mostly makes me angry about what it might have been from my perspective. But but like it's, I will still hold up this game as like, hey, if you want to see what's possible in video games, how well can this be done? This is like the pinnacle of of this type of thing. How well can you do? Actors with motion capture, you know, doing the voice acting in a constrained linear story with incredible amount of detail like this is this is the best yet. Right. I was I was blown away by Uncharted 4, which was a long time ago. And this obviously a very different setting, a very different game style and tone and everything about it. But from the same developer and you can see the progress, like where have we come from the last of us Uncharted 4 to this? It's such a progression. And I just I can't wait to see with the same developers do or the same team or the same sort of you know maybe this is the last gasp of this type of game i don't know if they're going to change the gameplay conventions because you know all the gameplay stuff we talked about is it's within a genre and that genre has limits and kind of like how zelda sort of broke out of its previous limits after many many decades and went open world and actually pulled it off i would love to see these developers maybe not break out to open world, but but eventually get to the point to say, we've taken this style of game as far as it can go. Now there's the next leap. That would be terrifying for me, but I would love to see what, what they could do.
1: Overall in this game, I found so much joy picking through the landscape and experiencing all of the scenery and all the work that went into the art and the details, just like we said in the very beginning. I, I love that they're so much of that. And you can spend a lot of time just enjoying the tiny details. There's a moment where there's a and d table in an apartment building. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so good it was like all set up and like the two guys that lived in the apartment you found a note from them they were total nerds and they were it was it was wonderful um in addition to that there were like there was this gym that you could go through and every single little detail that was around in a gym was there but you know just like decayed a little bit and it's all the balls were deflated it it was just it was (laughs) wonderful and it's like that kind of stuff speckled with like this great stealth combat it is just makes this game so dynamic and immersive and you really feel like this is what it would be like to trudge through a post-apocalyptic landscape and having to find you know candy bars to survive but it was that's what really brings me joy for this game and it, it just puts it up there above so many others because I don't know anything else that has put this much detail into the scenery and the way you can inter- interact with it all and finding all the different stores to pick through it. It was just absolutely wonderful, and I want to go back and just like kind of turn off all the combat and just like keep sifting through and find all of Abby's coins. I want to find all of Ellie's, uh, um, her their, the action cards that she's looking for, the trading cards. It's it's just one of those things that uh that that's kind of what I want to do now that I've I've succeeded and gone through all of the hard combat. I I now just kind of want to enjoy and and find things. All right. What do we got? Cool. I want to thank our panelists for joining today. Thank you, Brian, for coming on and discussing this wonderful game.
2: If I ever were to lose you, I'd surely lose myself.
1: And John, thank you very much for coming on. I I know that there isn't a video game that you haven't talked about on The Incomparable. Yeah, Well
2: I... I
0: i enjoyed playing this game in fact i, I went back through like the the cutscenes on youtube to refresh my memory and it was like i was living it all over again i'm i'm ready for all my complaints about this game uh, and you know uh, the christmas i have i am absolutely ready for last of us part three bring it on
1: oh you think it's gonna actually happen
0: i have no idea but i'm saying if you make that game i will 100
2: percent buy it sight unseen i can count on three fingers the reasons why that shouldn't happen
1: oh, <laughs> oh too soon <laughs> I am sure there are a million things that I wanted to mention, but if you've played this game, you know, and if you haven't, you need to. And The Incomparable will be back next week. And until then, may your survival be long and your death be swift.